book a book a welcome to Sal's Talk Thanksgiving edition. We have a great show for you today Bill is here. We wanted to do something special for you so we put together a family friendly show you can listen to in the car with your kids on the way to grandma's house. That's right these boys really cleaned it up. Johnny only says fuck like 10 times and Bill often is not talking about which foods look like dog shit. Okay fine add this one to the list of episodes to listen to while hiding from your family rather than hanging out with them. Still a good list. gentlemen we're back yet again it's time for a big episode this is this is like a yearly feature except i don't do it every year i only do it every two years we're back with a big show about thanksgiving we need a guy with some food takes so i got you bill kalish say hello buddy hey johnny how are you doing tonight bill good man how are you pretty good I uh, just had my, my dinner. It was a big bowl of mayonnaise, and that's all I eat for every meal. So I'm really happy to – like my digestion is going better now that I've switched over to that. I think I think it's been a good thing. Is this you getting getting out ahead of eat anything good lately? Oh, you're right. I have. I, like I said, I ate that bowl of mayonnaise. Thank you for bringing – nobody ever asked me. I'd love to be asked. But the answer is always the same. Big old bowl of mayonnaise. But I guess I can turn it around. Joe, how about you? Eat anything good lately? Yeah, man. Um, so my wife and I, um, my mother-in-law bought us tickets to um, to see Nick Offerman yesterday, nice. last night. Um, so he came in and did his little show, and he played his songs, which were kind of one note, but I like Nick. Nick's a cool guy. It's a good um, note. And so like 10 minutes before the show ended, you know, it's probably like 8.30 on a Sunday, my wife leans over to me and says, are you hungry? And I was fucking starving. Because I was hungover all day and I didn't eat anything, <laughs> and so uh, we went to a local establishment. That's sort of a bar. They kind of do, um, you know, they do drinks and then they do a sort of like quote upscale um, bar food, like the house made mott stick shit like that. Um, one of the the menu items that they have is this great pizza called the Very Chill. Okay, this one's called Very Chill. They have like eight pizzas. This one's the best. So it's like. I think it's wood-fired. I don't know if they use a regular pizza oven, but it, it seems like it's wood-fired. It's all kind of bubbly mm-hmm. on, on the outside. Um, tomato base, like like totally tomato base. Um, no mozz, nothing like that. Uh, they throw some like oregano on there, some fresh basil, and then the cheese. Right? I think there's I think there's a smattering of um, Parmesan or Romano or some dried Italian cheese, but the real cheese comes from fucking burrata. So they take burrata and they like rip it up into like globs of burrata, I guess, and throw it all over the pizza. And then they sprinkle it with Malden salt. And it's just the best thing. There you go. It's so good. It was killer. It sounds delicious. Um, I I like the thought of all of that. I will say I bought some uh, Malden salt recently. And I was like, I can be a fancy guy, put that shit on some stuff. And you could ask Gina, here's the result of me buying that. Everything I cooked for like a month, oversalted. 
because I was like, I got this fucking fancy ass salt. Watch me use it. And I'm the fucking salt bay over there, just pouring a gallon of it on like whatever it is I'm making. So I had to like learn like the, the fact that it's better. Maybe you need to use less. Maybe you're going yeah, in the exact yeah. wrong direction, and it can live on its own without you just dumping it on everything. Did, did you get the box of Malden salt, or did you get the giant fucking tub? No, I got a box. Okay, so I I didn't know what Malden salt was. I I saw it in a recipe that I made from the Times, like a cookie recipe. I think it might have literally been a recipe from the New York Times cooking app, and I was like, and then I googled Malden. it, and I was like, I can buy this shit. I can be fancy. Right. So I saw that and I was like, I don't I don't know what that means. And I used it. They were like chocolate chip cookies that you sprinkled salt on the top at the end. And so I think I just used like sea salt. Mm -hmm. And somewhere along the line, I was talking to a a food nerd that is married to Alyssa's high school friend. And he was like, you don't know what Malden is. And like a week later, I got an Amazon package and I open it up and it's like a five pound fucking jug (laughs) of Malden salt. So now, yeah, I put that shit on everything. And actually, you know, as I was thinking about things that I could potentially plug, right, his is two birds, one stone. I was going to plug Malden salt. Oh, there you go. And then I was like, but if I talk about the pizza, we'll talk about Malden salt anyway. Mm-hmm. So here we are. It's the best. It's very good. Um, and like I said, you, you can't just go crazy and overdo it because especially you get oh, those, those huge little flake things going on. But. You can do very well with it. It's tasty. Yeah, it's pretty solid. Um, now, I assure you, listeners out there, we're going to get in to the Thanksgiving stuff really quick here. But And this is kind of tangential, depending. I don't know what you eat at Thanksgiving. But I was driving home from work today, and I was like, well, what are we going to talk about on the show? And I thought of some more salads that don't have lettuce <laughs> <Yeah>. in them. <laughs> <laughs> that don't have any lettuce in them at all. Nothing no. green. Um, and, and I don't know if... Now, these are... There's a spectrum here. I'm just going to list the... It's basically one more category, really. These three are all in. And there's obviously other things, too. We'll see if you have any feelings. I don't Maybe you'll like this better. It's not ham salad. How do you feel about a, an apple salad or a fruit salad? Like, in general, it doesn't have mayonnaise in it, right? I th- I think an apple salad might have mayonnaise in it. What is the stuff in an apple salad? Get the salad? fuck out of here. I what, maybe I don't know what an apple salad is. Now, it's a, oh, I haven't I don't think I've ever made an apple salad. I think I've just had it at a cookout. It's got like a white creamy stuff happening. Get out of here. I mean, so, if it's so not wait, mayonnaise, so, I'm not sure what it is. So like so I've had actually last night at, at the restaurant we had a salad with apples in it. Well, that okay. is not what I'm so, talking about. I'd like you to stop okay, so bringing that up. Okay, so you're not talking yeah. about, like, a leafy green salad with cut-up apples and, like, walnuts. You're oh. talking something else. That's very good, but that is not what I'm talking about. Um, do you have the ability to receive a link? He uh, said knowing that Bill had theoretical access to the Google chat window. I, I think so. Okay. Can you still hear me? Yep, still hear you fine. Okay, so I just right. sent you a link to I just Googled apple salad. We've got a recipe from Taste of Home. Oh uh, no. So you're not you, have you not had this? Oh, you don't like no, this? what is this? This does have mayonnaise oh. in it, by the way. Yeah, it looks like that's pretty much all there is. Yeah. Well, I think the, the lemon juice is that cuts it a little bit. But yeah, so, like I generally would think of it you'd have you'd have apples and raisins and walnuts and then this sauce that appears to basically just be 
mayonnaise and fat lemon free, juice. Ma- Fat-free mayonnaise and lemon juice. You got to use the fat-free mayonnaise, otherwise it might be weird. <laughs> uh, but to me, very good dish. Now, so this is similar. Have you had? Have you had like a regular fruit salad that's got like little mandarin uh, oranges in it? Sure. Okay. Well, this I think that's the same thing. This just has apples. Does that have mayonnaise in it? But but there. I mean, I've had I've had that like weird sort of fruit salad that's like whipped cream based. I see that I was getting my, my third one I wrote down is like a Watergate salad, that sort of thing. That's obviously. Is that what that's called? Watergate? I think there's different names for it. Actually, and to be honest, I don't think that's what I called it growing up. Like that was the thing that like one of my weird relatives would make. And I'd be like, don't eat that weird shit. And it'd be like the green glop. I think that's straight up whipped cream. Yeah. It comes in like a, like a, like a bunt. It, yeah, exactly. It's in that weird food. thing for sure. Yeah. Like, I, I don't fuck with any of that. Like even I have my limits. So I'm out on that stuff. And again, I found people referring to this as Watergate salad, but I don't, I don't know anybody where I'm fucking from is talking about Watergate salad. That sounds a little hoity-toity to me. So I don't know what it actually would be called. Around. It's probably called, I don't know what, some, something else. Okay, so so what like, so obviously, the Watergate salad doesn't have any role in Watergate, like the big thing, right? So would it like, like did Nixon eat like? these weird mayo fruit concoctions isn't there something that was invented at the watergate hotel that is like so that was going to be my next thing is right so it must be something kind of like the Cobb salad right like that comes from like a certain hotel that's where it started bob Cobb, if you if you listen to larry david <laughs> um but am i to believe that a uh, like a k street washington dc hotel that was like their big thing it's like, oh yeah, no, we we took all this whipped whipped cream and shitty canned mandarin oranges and put them in a bowl for for <laughs> all you Washington insiders. Uh, according to Wikipedia, the origin of the name Watergate Salad is obscure, and <laughs> it was uh, the recipe was published by General Foods, since merged into what is now Kraft Food, Kraft Heinz, of course. And Kraft says we don't know where it came from. I mean, with a name like Watergate, it could literally be from anywhere, right? In 1976, the Denver Post published a recipe. Rumor has it that Watergate salad was a concoction thought up by a sous chef at the Watergate Hotel and served at brunch on most weekends. But the Denver Post article does not verify this rumor, and it sounds like people don't really think this is true. So now that you know it's not from the Midwest and is a real thing that every, all the fancy people eat, don't you think it's good? Uh, dude, so much better. It, that's that's so much closer to like my bougie, um, you know, aesthetic. I have to read you some of the names people have given this. I will tell you the second one I suspect is closest to uh, what I've known it as: Watergate salad, also referred to as pistachio delight, shut the gate salad. Now, those are the formal names. Those are like <laughs> real names. But then like if you're it's like I that's like if you're at work and you have to talk about Watergate salad. But then if you're it's like the weekend, you're just hanging out with your bros and you want to colloquially refer to Watergate Watergate salad, you might call it green goop, green oh, goddess, green fluff or green stuff. And that's Wikipedia. Green stuff. You like that green stuff, Bill? So it's got to be, I mean, it's got to be true. Green Goddess is weird because that's like. Also its own thing. It certainly doesn't have all this garbage in it. Yeah, that's very much a thing. So growing up, I feel like I heard 
that thing, that goop, referred to as ambrosia? Does that sound? No, I've at least, and again, all these things, lots of crossover, I'm sure. But for me, at least, ambrosia was a different thing, not green. Was Okay, was it like that? It's kind of that sort of thing for sure. I think that usually had like coconut in it, and it was either like a light pink or a light orange. Okay, okay, that that might be what I've been thinking about. Yeah, I mean, this is pistachio. That's like why it's green. Although yeah. it's probably green because of food coloring, I assume. Yeah, I was going to say. But uh, I mean, like, like in only the color, you chose pistachio. to color it green because there's pistachio in it. Um, <laughs> oh, Jesus. Like I said, I don't like this. I like... I, Did I, you go to the Wikipedia page for awful salads? Uh, like? I went to my homepage, which is the uh, <laughs> salad-based non-green things. There are green, but not lettuce-based. Not lettuce, yeah. We'll <clears throat> I get that lettuce out of my salad. But I, I'm going to go back one, one time. Apple salad, pretty good. Okay. I like that. I, um, look, I, obviously I'm a bit of an outlier in the fact that I have such a strong distaste for mayonnaise. I thought you were going to say um, you had I, good taste. <laughs> Obviously, I'm the only one with good taste. The rest of you mayo-eating fucking mouth breathers. Um, yeah, I, dude, if I'm, you're going to call I'm, me a mouth breather, I'm going to have to shut the video portion of this thing off. I don't want you calling me out like that. Nobody should know. I, I breathe from my mouth all the time. Um, yeah, eat what you dig, you know? I, I always go back to the uh, to, to the to the, the wisdom of Maurice from, uh, from Boogie Nights. Wear what you dig. Eat what you dig, man. Whatever you want to eat, it's just not my thing. And, and if you ask me what I think about it, I'm probably going to say it's something like dog shit. <laughs> and then Charlie's going to get really upset. Well, if, if I think it's a good time. We're coming up on Thanksgiving. Let's talk about some things that we dig. Uh, I was thinking about how to format this, and I realized that this is actually really easy. Uh, I actually had what will serve as my uh, Thanksgiving meal for this year mm -hmm. yesterday. So I'm already okay. done. This is behind me. And so I'm just, wow. just going to walk through what I had. And then we can talk about those things. And then we can get to, uh, like, what we've missed out of that stuff and then what sure. you're interested in. So uh, I'm going to – I'll leave the centerpiece for a moment. Some real – some simple basics. I don't – I used – when I was growing up – oh, one other, one other aside real quick. Now, this is just mainly aimed at – Pat Polk, but also anybody else who can remember stuff. I know I did a Thanksgiving episode, not last year, but two years ago with Charlie, and we talked about a lot of stuff. Mm -hmm. And here's the deal. Here, here, here's the real tea, friends. I don't remember what I said on that episode. And if I say something that is directly contrary to that, I don't care. All of my opinions, I mean, I, I, I've changed a lot since then. I'm sure you have. I'm sure we all have. So if I said, like, when I was a kid, I like to eat this, and now I don't, and then today I just say the exact opposite, it's okay. And I don't, do, do you want to hear about that, Bill? Dude, dude, you're going to get so many Pinocchios after someone, fact, after, after Pat Polk fact checks this, uh, this podcast. It's going to, it's going to be like, John, seven Pinocchios for your, your hatred of Brussels sprouts. That false centrism can get right out of here, acting like all of these Pinocchios are fucking equivalent. Getting me pissed off. It's a great point. Okay, here's the deal. I was a kid. I didn't like sweet potato casserole or whatever you got at Thanksgiving. Okay. I was like, that shit sucks because I'd always get it and be the shit with the marshmallows on it. Okay. Straight trash. I don't need it. But then later in life, I started making a sweet potato casserole that's got like a, uh, a brown sugar pecan topping. No marshmallows. 
Super tasty. So good. Yeah, it's my favorite thing at Thanksgiving. It's like if I'm going to a big Thanksgiving, that's the thing I bring. If I'm making Thanksgiving dinner myself, it's the thing I'm most excited to make. It's great stuff. Uh, I, I, I've always been, uh, you know, a, a sweet potato. Some people call it yams, right? It's clearly not a yam, but for some reason we've all just agreed to go with the, the orange things are yams too. Um, my mom used to make one that was, I think it was just like brown sugar and sweet potatoes. I don't know if they came from the can or if she used the real ones. All I remember they used to be very soft and awesome and that it was just soaked in fucking butter. Oh, like it, so it was like the, it was the best thing ever. Sure. Like there had to be like six pounds of butter in a casserole. <laughs> so yeah, I'm down with that. I, what's, what's not to like? It's good stuff. I, I think it's one of those things you can mess with it too much. I think especially if there's mini marshmallows on it, I'm inherently suspicious. But if you if you play it safe, you, you make something good, I think you're going to like it. I, I think the nuts on top, that's a good little yeah. texture. Yeah, that's it's a good idea. Yeah, I really enjoy I can. I also just, like, I'm, I didn't make a pecan pie this year, but, like, anything pecan at Thanksgiving, I'm very much down for. Correct. And often I'm like, I... Man, I, there's only one pecan pie here. I can't justify eating half of it, so I don't get as much as I want. Well, here's another outlet for my uh, pecan desire. There you go. So that's great news. Uh, I also made a uh, extremely standard, basic green bean casserole. Uh, this is also not a thing I had growing up. I think a lot of people think it's gross. I think it's pretty good. I will say I kind of fucked it up. I didn't put. I thought you only put one can of green beans in it. When I was at the store, anyway, that's what I thought. And then when I got home, when I was looking at the recipe on the can, it was like, you should put two cans in here. So it was a little dicey. It was a little more like soups in a casserole, some might say. But all your flavor components are still there. Still pretty good. Still enjoyed it. Do you like a green bean casserole, Bill? Uh, never really did it as growing up. We didn't really do the, the green bean casserole thing. I've had it. I like it. Um, I don't love it. It's, it's fine. It's very Americana. Mm-hmm. Um, it, now, when you make it, this is with like prima mushroom soup, right? Correct. Isn't that part of yep. part of the gig? Okay, yeah, that's eh, fine. That's fine. And I, you, those French fried onions. I don't Love understand the French, how those are so French good. French fried onions, man. It's where it's at. They're just amazing. Like, why aren't there more foods where I get to put that on them? I guess every now and then you might get them, like an onion straw and a burger. But like, if we can't work these into more stuff. Shouldn't this yeah. be on every menu? I think they just. Maybe they maybe they make them in like one batch and then they just sit on the shelf <laughs> until like until like November twentieth and then they just clear out like maybe, empty or maybe that's what it is and so like if you go and buy them in like March they're just so fucking stale and everybody's like these things are fucking shit and they forget about them until the next year and they look at the rest of them. I guess I got to buy those onions we'll try it again and now they're prime season you got to get the good vintage man the the good vintage onions <laughs> um, I also. Uh, I don't know if we'll have a ton to say here. I made uh, mashed potatoes with a mushroom gravy. Um, okay. Nothing too exciting, just a very, I believe it was the, like if you type mushroom gravy into the New York Times cooking app, it is the recipe that comes back. And then okay. you know, I didn't even do do as much as that for the mashed potatoes. I just, you know, you make, you mash some potatoes and add butter and milk and garlic stuff until it tastes the way you want it to. And then you say you did a good job and eat it. Do you so like mashed potatoes? Where do you where do you come out on the the texture discussion of mashed potatoes? I like 
I, for one thing, and maybe this will upset people, I always am upset if the peel is gone. I, I want the peel okay. in there. And I also, I'm pretty, I'm okay with it being pretty, pretty lumpy. I think a lot of times if it goes too smooth, it just becomes creamy and mush and it kind of just dissolves in my mouth. And some people, maybe they want that lighter, fluffier thing. I, I want it to feel more like a potato. And so I guess I, I have a more rustic, harsh mashed potato that is full of peels and full of lumps. I, I think I'm with you on that. Um, you know, if you can get someone who makes a smoother mashed potato like really well, they can be good. But it always kind of ends up tasting like a weird shitty potato we porridge i exactly like, yeah i want I, to chew if i was confident you were going to do it right absolutely go crazy and make me the super smooth one i just as soon as i i hear the mixer come on i'm like i think i know where this is going to go and like porridge is a great call that's very much the sort of thing you usually end up with well and i and i kind of feel like when you when you you got your plate right get your big ass plate and i was always you know i, I was always weird with meat so i was a side guy um when you scoop that mashed potato, you plop it on that plate. Like you really want it to like not be a mountain of potato, but like it shouldn't like sort of settle down into like some gross puddle. Like it should be like a big, like like oh mashed potatoes, you know? Yeah. When you were describing that, I thought yeah, you set it on the plate and it doesn't move an inch. That's yeah, just where it is. Stand. And then you push some down and pour the gravy on it, and you're still Perfect. fine. It's not like it then you know mixes together and becomes a big mush. It's just that. Uh, I also made some rolls, just like dinner rolls, just frozen rolls. I okay. I don't think I've ever made like dinner rolls from scratch. I'm more than content with frozen rolls that you put in the pan that you take out and let sit on the counter for a while and then throw in the oven. That's very much what I do. Are you a big roll guy? Do you make the rolls? Do you just buy the frozen I, rolls? What do you like there? Dude, I, I used to like subsist on rolls. Like I, it was like show me where the bread and butter is which usually a roll usually warm right goes mm -hmm. in the oven and then give me some mashed potatoes and you know the buttery yams I, just all the carbs um i know you can't tell that from my very lithe figure <laughs> but I, I enjoy uh i've got a 37 pack year uh, history of, of carbs um i like the rolls i've never made rolls i feel like baking bread and stuff is cool right it's like a whole thing and it's something i'm super interested in um but but making like dinner rolls like that seems like it would be a shit ton of work or not a great payoff when there are perfectly good rolls that you could just you know take out of the freezer or just buy them the day of and throw them in the oven and they'll be just as good mm -hmm. yeah I, I, it doesn't it feels like a lot more work and the the improvement just isn't considerable enough to justify correct um if anything i mean if we're being honest Right. If we're being honest, unless you're going to make rolls like a bunch of times, it's probably not even an improvement. It's probably like, oh, yeah, no, I made these rolls and everyone can tell because they're <laughs> homemade baked goods. It's like, oh, yeah, cool that you made these. They're stale like immediately. No, yeah. And that's the secret advantage of being the cool guy making like a weird bread. Because if it's a weird bread, you probably could not have just gone and bought that at the store. So at least I'm getting a weird bread I wouldn't have gotten otherwise, even if it's not any good. Yeah, totally. Uh, not a not a shittier version of what I could just buy a better version mm -hmm. of for like $2. Too. It's not like <laughs> rolls are expensive. Um, I also made a cranberry sauce. 
This primarily exists because I want to put it on the sandwich that follows uh, Thanksgiving. I don't like. I don't think I even had. No, I put it. I also put it on the rolls when I was eating that. Otherwise, I didn't get into it. But I just make you know a very simple cranberry sauce out of like sugar and orange juice and cranberries, and it's okay. Very tasty. Not a lot of work. And one of those great things you can make in advance and just throw in the fridge. So obviously, we have to talk about. The canned, hate cran- the canned cranberry sauce. I, in in what respect is that can the cranberry sauce a sauce? I would I would it would it surprise you if it was like both those words were wrong. It is neither cranberry nor sauce. <laughs> I feel like you just told me nothing about what is within the a can. It's I would like, accept when, it is definitely a can. But. Yeah, absolutely. It, you can see the ridges on it and everything. Right when it plops out, it, it holds its shape. I'm fine with it because I, you know, I I like, I like trashy food. Like, yeah, I, that, and that's ridiculous. It's like 89 cents. You do the thing where you like, you know, it makes that weird squishing noise uh. and it pops out. I'm all right with it. I just don't, I, I just don't know what it is, I guess. Yeah, I guess that's got to be another, I mean, if thinking about it, it feels like half the things that we associate with Thanksgiving are just like, well, somebody figured out you could make a canned version of this after the war and we started eating. Correct. And, and that's I, the, just the whole meal. The, the chances, the chances that Thanksgiving is actually just like a post corporate America creation, I, it's got to be like ninety percent, right? <laughs> like we're all like, oh, this is Amer- this is Norman Rockwell. Like, no, this is Kraft Foods and yeah. Campbell's. We're like, look, we got to move some of this shit, and the war's over. We we gotta we gotta come up with some holidays. It's just crazy how much things have changed. And how, like, good stuff used to be and how bad stuff is now. Like, you look at this. A company like Kraft invented Watergate salad, and they were so good, and now they just make a bunch of crap nobody wants. It's trash. It's trash. How the mighty have fallen. Um, I uh, One other thing I made, uh, this is Gina's big, con- uh, one of Gina's, she obviously helped me make everything. But uh, one of her additions to the menu was for her family really big on like egg noodles at Thanksgiving. That's just like a required okay. thing you've always got. For. I didn't. Did you have? Do you have that when you were growing up? No, absolutely. I didn't not. either. That's just not even um, a consideration. Like accompanied with like just butter. Is there like a stroganoff situation? Like- uh, very much just like cooked in broth with a little bit of vegetables. Very much like a thing to like kind of oh I could put some of this on the roll. I could put some of this in with my potatoes. That sort of thing. Interesting. And honestly, it was it was very good in that way. Um, yeah. Just as like, hey, there's not enough starchy things on my plate. Let me just tack this over there. Then this good thing got even better. Great news, dude. It's 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 a carbival. You know, it's uh, we love the carbs. So I'm 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 always down for more. We we always would do like a baked ziti or something. You know, like so always got to be a baked ziti. I think I've read something about that before about how there are certain or maybe it's just people who you know, have Italian heritage or something where like in certain areas, like regular, even just pasta with red sauce is a thing at mm-hmm. Thanksgiving. Yep. And like, yeah, I, I never had holidays. it. Yeah. Yeah. It, it just exactly. This is like, if it's a holiday, feel weird if nobody brought a ziti. So somebody bring a ziti and we'll put it next to right? the turkey. Got to make the gravy. Uh, <laughs> um, I also made, like I said, I only made the one pie. It was a pumpkin pie. Love and it, it was uh, very good. Again, you can guess how I made it. I got the can of pumpkin out and then uh, added the stuff, and I put it in a crust, and I baked it. And it was very 
Oh, and I put uh, Cool Whip on it. No need to make my own whipped cream. Love it. And uh, Cool Whip, you, you get the extra creamy, especially. It's just the best stuff. I don't. I think I might prefer it to the, the actual stuff. Did, I don't think. <laughs> do you remember at any point when we lived together, me buying Cool Whip just to eat it? Because I, I definitely have done that as an adult. Like, I'm just not sure if it was, uh, if I was. Uh, brave enough to do it while habitating with other people. I think I did it when I lived alone. I was like, oh yeah, no, it's grocery shopping. I, I got this thing of peanut butter. What am I going <laughs> to eat it with? I don't want bread. Give me, I'll take a thing of Cool Whip and I'll just eat it with a spoon. Oh, bread, that's a bunch of carbs. You don't want that. Now, no, you want sugar. Whipped cream, I, I don't don't think it's bread, so it'll probably be good. <laughs> it was. It was very good. It sounds very good. I don't remember you doing that. It does sound very on-brand. I probably would have wanted to have some. Um, I will say, oh, the la the other thing, the big centerpiece, there is a vegan butcher shop in my neighborhood that is very good. They're known as the Herbivorous Butcher, and they made stuffed turkeys this year. And What, what were they made of? Uh, not meat. Not, not turkeys. Not turkeys. They're, they're a friend of the turkey. They do not uh, put the turkeys in them. It's very, I mean, they, they do vegan versions of, like, if you, it, it literally, we walk in and they've got, like, the glass counter with the white tops and everybody's wearing the mm -hmm. white aprons and everything. And then they have, like, this big display that is things that look like meat but are not. I've also okay. got some, like, my favorite thing from there is the chorizo, where they do a lot of good stuff. And they did, a stuffed turkey that was moderately hard to get, but I got there early enough to get one. And it was, I will say it was very good. Uh, like some of their stuff I have, I would say is excellent. And I really, really enjoy. This was merely very good. I, uh, it was a, a weird shape and the stuffing didn't make it all the way down. It was kind of like if you get a jelly donut and the, the jelly isn't totally centered in the donut. Yeah. It's kind of uh, off okay. to the side. Like the stuffing was a little off to the side. So there's but, like a thick part of the turkey. Exactly. Like but all, honestly, tonight I had uh, a sandwich with the turkey. And now the fact that this, there's like a kind of an end of it that's just turkey all the way through, that was very convenient when I was cutting up my turkey to make the sandwich. So, so I'm glad you told me about this because that was going to be my question earlier. When you talked about you know, kind of sandwich considerations, I was like, what, what were you going to eat on the sandwich? Yeah, and I just no put the, the sweet potatoes the on the bread. Yeah. No. <laughs> it's a but, sweet potato sandwich. What, what's the problem? No, it was um, it was very good. I, I, I put, uh, I, I did not use the rolls. I actually bought a loaf of bread for the explicit purpose of making sandwiches. And then I, uh, I... Did the first thing I do whenever I eat anything, which is get the mayonnaise out. And I put that on a couple slices of bread. Of and then I, I put the turkey on it, and I put some cranberry sauce on it. And I put my sides on the plate with it. And then they all went in the, in the microwave. My turkey sandwich stayed with me. I don't need to heat it up. It can stay nice and cold. And it was very tasty. It was, as, as you would expect, probably better than the uh, original meal itself. So it's interesting because... Um Growing up, I was never a turkey guy, um, and I like turkey now. It's fine. Um, I, I think it's a little overrated, but, mm -hmm. you know, it, it's scarce, right? You only really eat it the once. 
um, unless you're eating like cold cut turkey. But yeah, the the big turkey is a once a year um, thing, so I get it a little more. But that sandwich that you described, outside of the the slathering of mayo, um, I don't know if you remember, but uh, one of the draft weekends that we went to Paul Bob Whitehair's house, I think it was the old apartment, right? <clears throat> the, like the one, it's just the one, right? How many how many apartments has Bubba lived in that, since we've been going to Chicago for the draft? He lived in that one that was really old lofts building and didn't have walls that went yes. all the way to the ceiling. That place was cool, right? And then and then just the Wrigley. And then I think to the other, yeah, I think that's right. Okay, so I believe it was that first one, and we went out obviously as we do, and it was like late night, and it was like, oh no, you know, we got to get something to eat, and there was like a sub shop across the street or down the road and across the street. And I totally got a Thanksgiving sub because, I, you know, I like they didn't really have any other options. And it was like turkey's close to chicken. So I'll do that. <laughs> and it was like it was like a shitty sub roll and what I presume to be like Hillshire Farms turkey sure. or whatever. And then like cold, gross stuffing and cranberry sauce. And it was totally fine for at least what I how I remember. I mean, I was hammered. But I'm sure it was okay because I ate at least half of it. How come we don't put? So everybody loves the Thanksgiving sandwich or the gobbler or whatever you call it. How come we don't put sweet stuff on savory sandwiches more often? Couldn't tell you. I don't. I, I feel like the cranberry sauce is such a huge hit here. I love it. I look forward to it. And then now I'll go. 360 days before I do it again. That doesn't make any yeah, sense. I, I, and I think that maybe, maybe more than mixing the sweet and the savory, um, maybe the answer is cranberry sauce. Is it's horrendously underutilized. It could be. Like it should be. Like like it's not like it's inherently wintry, right, or autumnal. Like I would totally eat cranberry sauce in like July. Honestly, kind of feels like it even aligned better. And like everybody I'm, I'm like, like a waffle. Do you think of like a, a cranberry vodka as like, oh, that's a cold drink. I can't drink that in the summer. Like people who have their cranberry sauce, cranberry juice the rest Correct. of the year. I don't know why. Yeah. Maybe yeah, we, no, need... we need to bring back or not bring back, but I think we got to start pushing the, uh, the cranberry sauce. Are cranberries like super seasonal can i not can i buy cranberries at the grocery store in like june i believe so i think so too but i'm not because the most i think confident. they come the, the fresh cranberries come in that <laughs> they come in that clear cellophane little package yep. in the produce section that for some reason still says ocean spray on it as though <laughs> o- ocean spray owns all of the they're like the de beers of cranberries they just own all of them but you're not allowed to make cranberries unless you're ocean spray maybe they just make the bags <laughs> they haven't grown a cranberry in like 10 years they just keep pumping them like we made all these bags in 1997 we'll sell them that's where discount. the money is the packaging <laughs> so yeah let's take a quick little intermission in the middle of our thanksgiving uh conversation here and let me ask you bill what sauce are you bringing to the table this week so i've been thinking about my sauce since we started sauce talk or was pivoted to sauce talk and I think that, I mean, obviously the mayo bases have been covered for now. Um, so I got to go with, so it has a name and I don't like the name. 
but it seems to be the name that everybody calls it when I look for like I'll the put my finger on the bleep button. <laughs> oh yeah, no, it's not not that bad. Uh, it's called the Poppy Chulo sauce. How do you spell okay, that? Now, now Poppy is P A P I space Chulo C H U L O, and it is uh, Spanish. And if you look at the etymology of the word, it's Spanish for pimp dad or pimp daddy. Oh my. Okay. Now, and the reason I knew this is because way back in the day, and this will be a Paul Bubba Whitehair special, there was actually a pro wrestler that they tried to package as a uh, Hispanic pimp, and his name was Poppy Chula. And they said, it's pimp daddy, and it was fucking, uh, like, horrendous. And that's where I have a problem with it. But regardless, this sauce... Do you think it's just offensive to the wrestler? <laughs> it's not fair to uh, his very good name. I acted like he's some sort of sauce king fan, and everybody knows that's not who he's the boss of. Complaint as we speak. (laughs) Um, So this sauce is the only place I've ever had it. Is there's this place in Berkeley, um, in downtown Berkeley, called the Cheeseboard Collective. Okay, and it's two places. Uh, It's it's a cheese and bread shop that opened in like the late '60s and early '70s, and is kind of like one of the the originators of like. New American California cuisine. It's across the street from like Chez Panisse, I guess, or that way. Um, so there's the cheese shop. And then next to the cheese shop that opened sometime later, uh, maybe in 1990, I, was, I, read, I read up on this stuff. I don't know it on my own, uh, is a pizza place. And it's, it's like open market or um, open air. So it's like a cafe style. Uh, they have a band every night or however many nights they're open. And it's just you sit out either on the the front porch or the, the sidewalk area or in the place and just bands play and they have pizza. They have pizza every day and they make one type of pizza every day. That's it. That's just what you get. You're, you're, there's no choice. It's do you want the pizza that we have? Yes, here you go. Next to the register or maybe the handoff point is this like bucket of green sauce that I like I cannot explain to you how fucking good it is. So the closest, it's like sort of like, like a chimichurri, like that type of like. It's very herbal. Um, I I looked up a copycat recipe. Um, I don't know if it's true. I had my my wife and I have been looking at it since we went there, almost five years ago, uh, and I haven't made it yet, so I can't speak to whether it's it's real or not. But everyone swears. Everyone on Pinterest swears that this is the real McCoy, and it looks like it's basically just peppers and herbs and garlic and rice vinegar and a bunch of citrus and Dijon mustard and like just jam it all together and it is fucking outstanding it goes on everything I mean I wouldn't put it on like chocolate cake but other than that I think it goes on probably everything so when you get this do you put it on the pizza or does it come on the pizza or no it's it's it comes on the side drizzle it on the pizza I think they tell you, just put the sauce on the pizza. The pizza's always good. I, I think it's usually um, like a white garlic pizza, not like a red sure. sauce pizza. So this is maybe a little better fit um, in that respect. But I, every everyone that I've ever talked to about this place, the Cheeseboard Collective Pizza Place, is like, oh, my God, the green sauce. It's like legendary. And it sounds but like I'm, you you haven't been there in like five years, and this is still like a going concern. Correct. 
We talk yeah. about my, my wife and I talk about the sauce probably every six weeks. That that says a lot right there. That's very impressive sauce. But but obviously not uh, good enough to make me just buy, you know, a bushel of cilantro and some parsley and try to make <laughs> this shit happen. Maybe, maybe I'll do that and, and report back to the group. I, I was going to say, I think it would be good for the show, so I'd really appreciate it if you'd consider buying a bushel of various bushels of various herbs and making this. It, it sounds really I delicious. do, and I just, I just always feel like when I buy herbs, I'm losing. Like, I'm the like, – okay, so I was listening to the Warren podcast earlier, and you were talking about the annoying people with the, the helicopters in the mall yep. and spotting you as a mark-ass mark. Yep. Right? That was for you. I said Mark S. Mark. I, I know. Thinking. I, I, Bill I will enjoy when I say Mark S. Mark. Uh, my wife and I are very specific about not being Marks. We don't want to be the Marks. When I, I, well, I don't want to be the Mark, by the way. I just am. <laughs> I mean, what yeah. Mark wants to be a Mark? That's part of being a Mark. It's like, boy, I hope I'm not a Mark. And then the helicopter I, yeah, gets me right. in the head. I, and I, have to... I, like to, I like to be Mark cognizant, you know, <laughs> is to know if I'm being the Mark. Now, Sometimes I'll be the Mark. I was Real quick, Mark cognizant was actually my porn name. <laughs> oh, it's terrific. Um, yeah, I, but you're concerned about buying the herbs. It sounds like when I buy the herbs, I feel like I'm on the mark because sometimes I'll buy cilantro because I'm going to eat like tacos and I like raw cilantro on my tacos. Um, and then I'm I'm like, okay, that was a good meal. What do I do with this other giant bushel of cilantro? Sometimes I'll I'll think ahead and like make salsa. But I still feel like it's like that was like three dollars, and chances are, if I don't make all this other shit, it's just gonna go in the compost. Like, like with, I, I literally threw away, um, <laughs> a full bushel or whatever, whatever you call it, uh, a rubber band collection of rosemary and cilantro, full. Like I think I took like three leaves off of them, and I threw it away like last week. It's every time, 100% of the time. So that's why I don't buy them. Because I don't want to be a mark, man. I, this may, Maybe I just, maybe I am the mark. Because I'll tell you, I do the same thing. But I've never, like, I've always thought, like, it's, I'm just wasteful. And I should have used the rest of that rosemary. Or I should have used the rest. Like, so, like you're exactly on point. Cilantro is the worst. Because whenever there's something that needs it, you just have to get it. Or, like, I just won't make this thing otherwise. But I'm not making three cilantro dishes a week. And if you don't make three cilantro dishes a week, you don't need that much cilantro. Correct. And it just goes in the trash. And I'm just like, that's that's the life cycle of cilantro. I buy it. I use one-eighth of what I have purchased, and I throw it away. But I feel like that makes us marks because the cilantro farmer very obviously could, like, sell the cilantro in bulk. And then we could all buy the cilantro that we need. But if the cilantro grower... And super and big, big supermarket got together and did that. Cilantro sales would just go through the floor, right? So they are unloading their excess cilantro on us by charging us two dollars for like a fucking bush of it, knowing that we're going to use like seven leaves. But maybe this is the way the market just has to work, and if we have to subsidize the cilantro farmers <laughs> by buying this quantity, because if we buy the actual twelve cents worth of cilantro we want, you're right. The, the bottom falls out, and they just like, well, we sold yeah. we sold seven pounds of cilantro to the United States this year. That is Correct. not enough. You know, just bulldoze the fields. Who cares? Everyone was happy because they had just as much cilantro as they needed. Yeah. Well, they're happy for but, that one year. The next year, they don't because 
they can't get through 12 cents worth of cilantro. And and I've actually, we've tried to grow our own cilantro. Like my wife is, my wife, bless her heart, is very ambitious when it comes to uh, gardening out of, you know, pots and flower boxes. And every summer we have the this year's going to be different chat where she puts in the basil and the cilantro. And then every year it just like the, like, not only does the cilantro, like, <laughs> that's when you realize how much cilantro you're actually buying is when you try to grow your own because <laughs> you end up with like three sprigs of it as opposed to like a usable quantity. <laughs> and, and then the basil plant is the complete opposite where you're like, oh man, no, I just need a little basil. And then it like, it, it takes over your house. Yeah. It's, it's like beating like up the other show. plants and throwing them yeah, out yeah. into the yard. Correct. So I, I, I don't know. I just feel like big herb is just crushing us. Uh, we did exactly the same thing as far as like we haven't done like it'll be the different this year. This was our first year of we can grow some stuff in this backyard. We got a nice little spot here. And so like, well, some things work, some things, and we've already started into like, oh, but next year we're really going to nail it. So this is very discouraging. Sounds no, like we're probably not going to nail it. I'm really lazy, and my wife is very busy. So those two things don't don't work out well for produce yields. Uh, we did. Gina had some success. I had very little. I say we. This was Gina's project, and it, everything that worked out was pretty good. We've done some planning for next year. I'm gonna be, maybe that's the real wait till next year, and that I pretend I will be more heavily involved. Gina grew some really good little cherry tomatoes, but she also grew some really good looking romaine, which was how we found out how many little like scrolls and shit live in the neighborhood. Because as soon as that shit started looking good. I walk out, I walk by that on the way to work and like, is that like a hundred little bites taken out of stuff? God damn it. Very disappointing. I don't think I ever even, it looked great. I don't think I ever even got any of that stuff, but the tomatoes worked out great. And, uh, there were some other things that were pretty good, but the, the romaine pissed me off because like there was a moment it hit, like, I'm going to eat some of that. Scroll thought oh, you, the same thing. You didn't even know it. You guys were like the trendy new restaurant for the squirrels <laughs> in the neighborhood. Like, yo, you've been to Johnny's? They got the best <laughs> romaine. What a fucking scam. Those scrolls are out next year. I'm telling yeah. you now. Bill, I talked about Thanksgiving a whole bunch. Can you tell me about some stuff I didn't talk about that you are interested in, in uh, eating for Thanksgiving this year? Um, so I'm going to have to talk in, in hypotheticals because uh, my wife and I will actually be on a plane. Uh, flying to uh, Los Angeles on Thanksgiving. Okay. So we will not be eating Thanksgiving dinner outside of, you know, maybe a waffle if Aunt Jill booked the right airline. Um, <laughs> but I, I do, <laughs> the, when we used to go to California for Thanksgiving, Aunt Jill, Alyssa's aunt, <clears throat> would have like the full spread. And that was like kind of the, the perfect point at which I was eating more meat and stuff, not being weird about food, being less weird about food, mm -hmm. um, and there being nice presentations of food. So I, now when I think of Thanksgiving, I always go to Aunt Jill's Brussels sprouts with pancetta. Oh, wow. Right? There you go. Like caramelized Brussels sprouts, uh, you know, real dark in color, just the best. And I mean, I eat a lot of Brussels sprouts anyways, because I love them because of that but that's a big thanksgiving staple um i like turkey I, I'm, I'm cool with turkey now more than i used to be 
Um, I kind of wish that someone would get like, I really like, this is not a Thanksgiving thing, but like, I found this place around here that has this great house, house made smoked turkey for like a turkey sandwich that is just outstanding. And now I wish that I was going to like some like super overachiever Thanksgiving mm-hmm. where they're like, oh yeah, no, we've been smoking the turkey since Monday. Oh boy. Um, I wish that that could happen. It's not going to, but I wish it could. Um, what are your feelings on stuffing? Well, I, I, hold, hold on, because this is, I spent a lot of time on Twitter and this was a big, this was a big thing lately among the folks is the, the, the distinction, if there is any, between stuffing and dressing. I, in my head, I think that stuffing gets stuffed inside a bird and then dressing is otherwise. But I also, like, I think that would make sense. That's probably what I think it should be. I just call everything stuffing. I, like, that's just what I say. And generally growing up, I very rarely had it. It was actually stuffed inside the turkey. It was usually stovetop, but I've had both. I, I just pretty much call everything stuffing. So I had stovetop today, just as part of dinner. So, you know, I, I get down. Um, I think that's right, right? I, like, I understand that those two things are different and that stuffing is stuffed and dressing is the same thing, only not in a bird, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, but can't we just agree that nobody, like, dressing refers to something else now? I'm sorry. It's just, that's the way that language works. And stuffing is stuffing, whether it's in the in the bird or in the, the fake bird that you got or whatever. Just because some fancy British guy didn't make my turkey sandwich doesn't mean it's not a sandwich. That guy doesn't got to make it. It's just what we call that now. Just because yes. it didn't get stuffed in anything doesn't mean it's not stuffing. Absolutely. It's all just stuffing. And or maybe I, I, it's dressing I, I if it. you live in the South. That's okay, too. Yeah, that'd be, that'd be fine. I'm not going to argue with people. I'm, I'm good with stuffing, I think. It's a dialect thing. <clears throat> I also wanted to go back for a second. Oh, I will also say I like stuffing. I enjoy it. It's never my favorite thing. I feel like if... I think that we grew up... At least I grew up in, in my region in the wrong time period. And when I was growing up, everybody was very scared of putting the stuffing inside the bird. And so uh, that you're going to poison yourself and all this stuff. I remember that being a very going concern. Really? Like, yeah. like salmonella? Yeah. That it was. I think, I don't know, maybe this was just a misconception, but I remember people talking a lot about how that, that was like a dangerous activity and that you really shouldn't do that and you're better off not. Is that not ring I'm, a bell? I've never heard that other than when, when Pat Polk made turkey sashimi. <laughs> That's the only time I've ever heard anything like that. Uh, yeah, that I, maybe this was just some weird rumor that was going around uh, downstate Illinois in like 1992. But I feel like it was just like, ooh, really? Uh, are we going to give that to the kids? That sort of thing. And so it was like, you, it was rare to see it. Now I feel like it's kind of become more commonplace again. But I always enjoy it, but I never find it especially Seek memorable. Seek it out. Yeah. Um. On the other hand, I really do enjoy Brussels sprouts, but I was having a conversation with Gina the other day uh, about how it is Brussels sprouts have like, they were like a trendy thing for a while. And now I feel like it's kind of past that point and they're just ubiquitous. But I feel like I can't find 
vegetarian Brussels sprouts at a restaurant ever anymore. And that everybody's so excited to eat like, like some very fancy meat or if nothing else, don't worry, we put lots of bacon mm-hmm. all over these Brussels sprouts. It's always either bacon or like duck fat. Yeah. And I just, I'm not, I'm not running into Brussels sprouts and I'm like, can you do the Brussels? I, I feel like they probably can't or they probably at least don't want to. Do you, have you made ever made Brussels sprouts at home? Oh, I have. Yeah, I've had great success with that. Yeah. Um, but I just it's mean not, as far as like, hard. especially when you're out and it's like, ooh, this will be a fun. Like, actually, like you say, this has got pancetta all over it. So never yeah. mind. That is not the vegetarian option that I thought I had run into. Well, Which is just it, funny how like not so long ago I would have been like the ultimate, like we'll just throw some fucking gross vegetables out there and some idiots will never, nobody will ever order it and some idiot might. And now it's like the cool, like, just put meat all over this and it'll be great. So, like, do you remember growing up, like, at least for me, growing up, I I always remember Brussels sprouts as being Brussels sprouts for, you know, for those of us that are very specific, Pat. Please note that I uh, made a note here that I wanted to come back to it here, <laughs> and I did spell it correctly on my board. And it, Brussels, as though they're from Brussels. Yeah. They sprouted in Brussels. Um, I feel like it was like the touchstone for gross vegetables. It was like kid humor. It was yes. like a joke. The punchline would, would be like grandpa's farts smell like Brussels sprouts or just whatever <laughs> gross thing. It was like the, it was like, it was like fruitcake. Fruitcake is another one. Correct. Where it's just like, this is so comically awful. No one would ever want to eat it. It and exists as fruit like a was right. punchline. Yeah. We nailed it on fruitcake and we were dead wrong on Brussels sprouts. Yeah, it, it seems like 15 years ago, someone was like, wait a minute, we can we can do something with these other than, like, boil them? I, that's what I, I assume everyone just ate steamed Brussels sprouts, which, as a Brussels sprouts fan, I'm sad. I don't need steamed Brussels sprouts today. Yeah, you just, you, just, you, you put some oil and you roast them in the oven yep. until they're nice and brown, and that it, it's great. You don't need to do anything like are there any vegetables? I mean, I guess you, you boil potatoes before you mash them. But as far as like yeah. real actual vegetables, probably don't boil them. Rarely is that coming around where you're like, yep, I nailed it with this great boiled. I, I do. Uh, I'll blanch broccoli, but that's about it. And I consider but blanching and boiling is the same. It's just, you know, it's like how lazy are you? I just I just let it go. I just let it keep boiling. <laughs> like, no, you, you boil for a couple of minutes and then you pop it out. But yeah, it's the same thing. Uh, where do you? What are your? What are your? Not I, I, another recurring theme on the podcast, but we can we can specifically talk about Thanksgiving. What are your pies of choice here? Oh yeah. Like if, if you get to a Thanksgiving and you, there's three pies there, and what are you hoping they are? Um, I mean, pumpkin is is the the obvious, and I I don't have a strong opinion as to whether I prefer pumpkin or sweet potato i just want one to be there um i guess i would lean sweet potato a little bit um but that's cultural because i don't like white people um otherwise you know i like a cheesecake i come from 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 an italian family is that a thing you'd have at thanksgiving yeah I've so there'd usually be a cheesecake. a cheesecake yeah um you know like a plain cheesecake with <laughs> My family's very, uh, very into the the Comstock uh, jar, canned fruit thing that you know it's basically just pie filling that you 
you throw on the cheesecake. So that's always a good time. Um, I mean, I like, I'll tell you what I don't like is, and it's always there and it's fine because it's a, it's a crowd pleaser, but chocolate pie, chocolate cream pie, I'm out. I just, I don't need it, man. It's pudding. It's pudding in a pie shell. And Would that my family just like a French silk pie? Uh, that's okay. The, the more, the more, um, complex the chocolate pie, like a, the, I, I, like, I'll be honest, when, when Pat started talking about chocolate chest pie, I didn't even know what the fuck that was. And I had to like, look it up last week. <laughs> like, like, I no idea. That still seems like it's somewhere between a brownie and a pie, but hey man, whatever. Um, I don't really care about, I just seem so basic in a way that isn't like, like apple pie is basic, but I, I like, I like it. Like there's more nostalgia there. Like chocolate pie, just like, Oh, you went to Leo's bakery and now there's a chocolate pie again that I'm not going to eat. <laughs> uh, do you like the pecan pie? I think we talked about this before. Love that is, that I think, yeah. I think that is my favorite. It never happens in my family ever. Sometimes I'll see it at, you know, if I go to like a friend's house or whatever, um, you know, sometimes I used to kind of bebop around after Thanksgiving because my family, we haven't really done like the close family Thanksgiving in, in a while. Um, so as soon as I could get the fuck out of whatever obligations I have, I'd go to like a friend's house and hope that there was some cool shit that I didn't have. Mm -hmm. uh, and if the pecan pie was there, that was always a big, a big victory. Yeah, for, for growing up, my mom would make a pecan pie, but it was not a Thanksgiving thing. Uh, it was just, I don't know why, it was just like much more you'd see, like for me, like pumpkin pie is the Thanksgiving pie. Yes. Uh, I don't, I know people talk, especially as far as the racial divide about sweet potato pie. I don't know if I've ever had a sweet potato pie. Tastes a lot like pumpkin pie. I, I would assume so. <laughs> I've seen pictures, but like to me, I'd rather... If I'm if I'm going to broaden my horizons beyond the pumpkin pie, I'm just going to go right over to the uh, the pecan pie because that's that's maybe the best one. I've I've had a lot of French silk that sort of thing. I feel like that would be a, a common secondary pie at a Thanksgiving, mm -hmm. which which is fine. Um, are there? I guess that you mentioned the cheesecake. Are there other desserts at Thanksgiving besides these things that we're not talking about here? Uh, my, my aunt used to make, or kind of her go-to has always been brownies. Okay. Um, for like every family gathering, regardless of occasion or season. Does so she make particularly good brownies? Uh, yes, but I'm pretty sure that they just come out of like a Duncan Hines box. Like I'm almost positive, but, um, it works and she, she hasn't copped to it. So all the power to her if she's dressing it up in a way that. That fools the kids. <laughs> uh, do you ever eat uh, macaroni and cheese at your Thanksgiving? No, not really. And and I kind of feel like like it's a missed opportunity. It seems, especially as far as like big family get together, somebody throws in some mac and cheese. I feel like it shows up at all the other events. I don't know why. I guess I, I've seen online that it does. Some people consider it like a staple, but I've sure never seen it. I think I'd like to. Yeah, no, it, it never shows up. Uh, Alyssa's dad makes mac and cheese for some parties, but never a Thanksgiving thing. You know that every time, uh, <laughs> every time you say, "Do you do you like 
mac and cheese or whatever. I the, clearly you're taking that from Arliss, right? Do, do you like the Arliss program? The Arliss program. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think that, that I think that is a thing I have caught myself doing a lot of places. Not that specifically, but realizing that something I have incorporated into my manner of speaking is not only taken from something, but it's taken from something making fun of something else. <laughs> and it, it's, it's so far removed from any sort of reality. But I, I say it a lot. Honestly, it's a thing my, I used to have. Uh, I, don't remember, I had some VHS SNL tape that I had recorded when I was a kid. And that was that. There was a clip of <laughs> letter, uh, Norm MacDonald as Letterman talking to William Hurt <laughs> on this tape. And my sister and I watched it a million times. And I just, it's a thing that Chelsea and I would say to each other. And then the one best. day it was, I would be like, I find myself doing a dumb podcast from a friend. And then I go to try to talk like an announcer guy. And then it's like, yeah, do you enjoy it? Boy, I say that a lot. <laughs> do, you, do you like the Arliss poem? <laughs> Uh, about Bill, though, if there's anything that you like, here's your chance to talk about it. Do you have anything you'd like to plug? So I'm going to plug um, I, I, a lot of a lot of things that were in here. I already got the Malden salt in, so I, I kind of hacked it. Um, in furtherance of this podcast becoming very food centric, I don't know, becoming or continuing to be food centric. Um, I recent, not recently, but um, in the last six months or so, um, I have a Roku TV. Right, we've talked about this the the, the TCL Roku TV. Yep. Um, the Bon Appetit uh, app channel, whatever. I assume that you can get it on, you know, Apple and all this stuff. Is fucking outstanding because they have all these great videos. There's this. Are you familiar with Bon Appetit, like the magazine? Can you think of any other ways you might phrase that sentence? Do you, do you, do you like the Bon Appetit, Johnny? Yeah, Bon Appetit, yeah. They have all, all these great videos. They have this whole cast of characters, right? Um, there's the guy, Brad, who's like the, the fermentation guy. And all his videos are like 10 minutes long. And he talks about like making pickles or hot sauce or whatever. And they're, they kind of like pop-up video. They got these weird little... Um, animations on them that is super interesting um they do lately they've been doing um <clears throat> they'll do like a four-part uh series where they and actually now that it's seasonal there's like a thanksgiving one where they just kind of split up there's like the six people who are the main personalities on bon appetit and they all like they're like we're gonna do the perfect uh thanksgiving dinner and they each take you know, someone takes the stuffing, someone takes the turkey, and they, like, sort of experiment with how to make it best and what what people are actually looking for when they talk about, like, the best stuffing or what bread to use. It's really, really awesome. Um, and as as uh, an enjoyer of foods, um, and then the other people who enjoy foods that listen to this podcast, which if you're listening to this podcast, I, I can't imagine you're not into food. Uh that's all we talk about pretty much ever. Um, yeah, Bon Appetit, man. Their video content, top notch. It sounds really good. I especially like that concept of not just being like, here's how to do it good, but to be like, here's why we do it this way, or here's 
three different ways. Here's three different types of bread you might use in this, and here's what happens if you do each one. And I think that that sounds really interesting and much more than just a cooking show where we, we read your recipe for half an hour and here's what it looked like at the end. Which a yeah, it was way better well. than that. Yeah, and they're t- it's like ten minutes long. Like they're like ten twenty minutes long. They're nice and digestible. Oh Jesus! If such a such a bad pun. I was gonna let it go. If somebody likes this show, but doesn't like food, what do you think? What is the second most talked about? Is it? Do you think there's somebody who's just like, boy, I wish Johnny would talk about video games again. He did it like three episodes ago, and if I just keep listening, maybe he'll do it again. There's really, I don't think there's even a second place. This Dylan? is very overwhelmingly a food podcast. <laughs> I, I bet you Dylan checks in, you know, for seven minutes every six months looking for video game talk. I think I'd take that bet. Um, <laughs> speaking of plugs, I do happen to have a food-related plug. I was at the grocery store last weekend buying the things I needed to make my Thanksgiving dinner and uh, they had a big display out and it was very it was one of those things where it's like I can tell what they want me to do when I see this display because they had like a bunch of those those fancy little like soda crackers and then they had a bunch of different kinds of fancy cheese and they had like a bunch of chili jams and stuff that sort of thing and so I bought like this cranberry bourbon chili jam and some of those crackers, and then they were trying to get me to buy like this giant wheel of brie that cost like thirty bucks. And I was like, "Oh fuck off! I'll go find a smaller one." And I went off into the fancy cheese, and I found the smallest, least expensive circle of brie that I could find. But then, when we were making dinner, I uh, I got all that shit out and spread some of the jam and threw the cheese on there, and boy, it was so good. So my plug is: if you're making, if you're first off, if you're just helping out in the kitchen. Bring this and just like make it up and give it to the people who are making dinner or uh, just make it. Have a fancy treat and everybody will be like, boy, this guy's so fancy. Just making cheese and crackers. You're not fancy at all, but you have an awesome thing. It's way better than like, oh, I put some Colby on a club cracker and it fucking sucked. This will be really good. So I suggest everybody do that. Big cosign on the cheese plate. My buddy Ryan and I have beer shares pretty frequently where we, you know, drink six or eight beers between us and we always try to have a little selection of beers and crackers and dried fruits or whatever. It's good stuff. It's very good stuff. Thank you so much for being on the show this week, Bill. I had a great time. Thanks, Johnny. Glad to be here. And I hope everybody out there has a uh, happy and safe Thanksgiving. Best wishes in the intervening days.